Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Shadowed Behavior Podcast. Today's episode is going to focus on a question submitted by a follower, and the question is positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement? Which do horses prefer? This is an excellent question, and I find a lot of equestrians are asking themselves this question these days, and the short answer is that I don't know. Positive versus negative reinforcement is always going to be a personal preference for humans and for horses alike. What I did do for you guys following along is I did some research and I found two articles that I want to read the abstract of and sort of dissect the results that they found and the implications that that will have in training and working with your horse. After we review the articles, we are going to go over rule-governed behavior and contingency-shaped behavior. These two theories have big implications in terms of positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement. We'll also discuss how extinction bursts will look for behaviors maintained by positive reinforcement versus behaviors maintained by negative reinforcement. And finally, we'll sort of wrap this up with a reminder that ABA is going to be individualized. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. You find what works, you follow the theories, you employ them correctly, and you move forward. Just as a review before we dive into these articles, positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement defined. Positive means that you add something to a situation. Negative means that you remove something from a situation. And reinforcement means that it increases the future frequency or intensity of a behavior. Positive reinforcement therefore means that you add something that would increase the future frequency of the behavior. For example, giving a treat is very common. Negative reinforcement means that you would remove something that would decrease the future frequency of the behavior. This is often associated with typical horse training or pressure and release training. The first article we're going to go over is called Reducing Pawing in Horses Using Positive Reinforcement. This article was published in the Journal of Applied Behavior Analysis in 2015. It's by Adam Fox and Devin Belding. The abstract reads, Aversive control is a common method to reduce undesirable behaviors in horses. However, it often results in unintended negative side effects, including potential abuse of the animal. Procedures based on positive reinforcement, such as differential reinforcement of other behavior, parentheses DRO, may reduce undesirable behavior with fewer negative consequences. The current study used DRO schedules to reduce pawing using a multiple baseline design across three horses. Results indicated that DRO schedules were effective at reducing pawing. However, individual differences in sensitivity to DRO and reinforcer efficacy may be important considerations. All right, let's review some of the things in both the title and the abstract. First, the title is Reducing Pawing in Horses Using Positive Reinforcement. At first glance, this title should make no sense to you. I just told you that reinforcement increases behaviors, and the first word in the title is reducing. This is because they used what they called DRO procedure. This means differential reinforcement of other behaviors. A differential reinforcement procedure means you put certain behaviors on extinction and reinforce other behaviors. So, for example, in this article, when you use a DRO, you are reinforcing literally anything besides the behavior you are trying to reduce, in this case, pawing. 
Next, the first sentence in the abstract says aversive control is a common method to reduce undesirable behavior in horses. Aversive control is essentially negative reinforcement where you present an aversive, the horse engages in a certain behavior, and then you remove the aversive contingent on that behavior. So in this case, aversive control means negative reinforcement. So negative reinforcement is a common method to reduce undesirable behavior in horses. The next sentence is, However, it often results in unintended negative side effects, including potential abuse of the animal. This is, of course, true. If you fail to remove the aversive or you're using it to such an extreme that it is causing pain, then that is, of course, abuse of the animal. And that is not something that we should ever be working towards or advocating for. The next sentence says procedures based on positive reinforcement, such as differential reinforcement of other behavior, this is our DRO procedure. This is what we just discussed where we put one behavior on extinction, which means you withhold the reinforcement for it and reinforce other behaviors. May reduce undesirable behaviors with fewer negative consequences. This sentence is a little confusing too. When they say negative consequences, I believe that they are using the term negative in society's understanding of it, not our mathematical understanding of it. The next part that I want to touch on is that they said that they were using a multiple baseline design across three horses. For those of you not in a science-based field or not in the field of applied behavior analysis, a multiple baseline design across subjects, which is essentially what they're using here by doing it across three horses, is where they implement the independent variable, so whatever procedure they're using, in this case it's the DRO, the differential reinforcement of other behaviors, at different times across subjects to show that it is truly the independent variable that is causing the change in the behavior and not some other extraneous variable that they were all subject to, which is oftentimes seen in groups such as schools or in this case, all horses at the same barn. So the procedures for this article were that they took each horse and they collected a baseline on how often they pawed on cross ties for about 20 minute intervals. And once they had that data, they could implement the DRO, wherein if a horse didn't paw for X amount of seconds or X amount of minutes or however they were measuring the time, they received positive reinforcement, in this case, a form of food. The results show that the DRO procedure was effective for all three horses and reduced pawing to near zero rates, which is noteworthy due to the fact that the mean pawing frequency during baseline, so the average for all three horses during baseline, the frequency was 783 responses per session. 783 responses. 783 instances of pawing in 20 minutes is the average. That's a lot of pawing. I do want to note a few things about DRO procedures here too. Ideally, I would have preferred to use a DRA procedure, which stands for Differential Reinforcement of Alternative Behaviors. Um, the main difference between a DRO, other, and DRA, alternative, is that alternative has a predetermined behavior that you are specifically reinforcing. Other means genuinely, literally 
anything else. The horse could be rearing up, the horse could be biting, the horse could be striking out, but if they're not pawing, they're getting the treat. The specific replacement behavior I would have chosen is standing nicely. And of course, you would have to operationally define that behavior for the study. One of the other main things about why it's very hard to implement certain strategies and principles of behavior analysis and behavior change procedures with horses is because so many people handle them every single day. You have people coming in to clean the stalls, you have people coming in to feed them, to turn them out, to come in and groom them. If they're a lesson horse, they're seeing how many people a day. So the consistency of the implementation might not be 100%. Our next article is titled Loading the Problem Loader, the Effects of Target Training and Shaping on Trailer Loading Behavior of Horses. This article was also published in the Journal of Applied Behavior Analysis. It was released in 2001, and it is from the University of North Texas. The abstract reads, The purpose of this study was to develop an effective method for trailer loading horses based on principles of positive reinforcement. Target training and shaping were used to teach trailer loading behavior to five quarter horse mares in a natural setting. All five have been trailer loaded before through the use of aversive stimulation. Successive approximations to loading and inappropriate behaviors were the dependent variables. After training a horse to approach a target, the target was moved to various locations inside of the trailer. Horses started training on the left side of a two-horse trailer. After a horse was loading on the left side, she was moved to the right side, then loading half on the left and half on the right. A limited hold procedure and the presence of a companion horse seemed to facilitate training for one horse. Inappropriate behaviors fell to zero immediately after target training, and all the horses successfully completed the shaping sequence. Finally, these effects were observed to generalize to novel conditions, parentheses, a different trainer and a different trailer. The third sentence says all five had been trailer loaded before through the use of an aversive stimulus. Again, aversive stimulus or aversive stimulation means negative reinforcement. So you're going to see a lot of the pressure and release for this kind of training. The dependent variables were successive approximations and inappropriate behaviors. Successive approximations are small steps toward a terminal behavior. These are the steps that you see in shaping when you shape a behavior and you take little itty bitty small increments into the next step of the behavior. Inappropriate behaviors could be anything. The article outlines the inappropriate behaviors as head tossing, standing, turning, freezing, and rearing, the operational definitions for which are listed inside of the article. The next thing that we can go over too is that a limited hold procedure and the presence of a companion horse seem to facilitate training for one horse. A limited hold procedure is simply they offer reinforcement for a behavior, but only for a certain amount of time. The majority of the time, as long as the horse engages in the behavior, you're going to offer them reinforcement for that behavior, and they can take it essentially whenever they want. A limited hold is going to be you have access to this reinforcer for five seconds. If you don't get it by the end of five seconds, then you just don't get it. And a companion horse just means that another horse was loaded in the trailer before they attempted to load this horse. I find that that's very beneficial for a lot of the horses that I'm working with trailer loading. That wraps up our review of the articles for today. The next thing that we are going to go over is the difference between rule-governed behavior and contingency-shaped behavior. I'm going to go over the definition of both 
and I want it to be clear that both of these definitions were pulled from the third edition of Applied Behavior Analysis written by Cooper, Heron, and Heward and published in 2020. Rule-governed behavior is behavior controlled by a rule, i.e. a verbal statement of an antecedent behavior consequence contingency. It enables human behavior to come under the indirect control of temporally remote or improbable but potentially significant consequences. Often used in contrast to contingency-shaped behavior, a term used to indicate behavior selected and maintained by controlled temporally close consequences. This is on page 799 in the glossary. So to put rule-governed behavior in layman's terms, it essentially means that you are capable of following rules that are explained verbally to you or written out for you. For example, I have never robbed a bank, but I know that if I did, I would go to jail. That is a rule-governed behavior. It is keeping me from robbing a bank, as are my morals and like a bunch of other fun things, but for the sake of this discussion. So in contrast, contingency-shaped behavior is behavior acquired by direct experience with contingencies. What's important to know here, and this is going to be a lot of information, but what's important to know here is that humans are capable of behaving under rule-governed behavior. They are capable of demonstrating rule-governed behavior and essentially following rules. They do not need to come into contact with a specific contingency in order to understand how it operates and potential consequences of engaging in a specific behavior. Again, going back to the example of robbing a bank. I don't really want to go to jail. I'm not really going to rob a bank. However, animals are unable to follow rule-governed behavior. To be more specific, non-human animals are unable to follow rule-governed behavior. They have to come into contact with a contingency in order to understand the consequences of their behaviors. But what's important to know is that humans can follow rule-governed behavior and horses cannot. One of the last things that I want to go over is how extinction bursts will look different for behavior maintained by positive reinforcement compared to behavior maintained by negative reinforcement. If you see an extinction burst for behavior maintained by negative reinforcement, it is going to look much different depending on what behavior specifically you're looking at. The behavior that I want to discuss, because this is the behavior that I am most often contacted about, is negative reinforcement, specifically trailer loading. So if I'm working with a horse through negative reinforcement for trailer loading, that means that I am consistently adding pressure. I'm asking move forward, and when they do, I release the pressure. That is negative reinforcement. The issue here is that when problem behaviors arise, you are working with a 1,200 pound animal that has learned that lack of pressure means that they did the right thing. Lack of pressure is their quote, reward. So not only will moving forward result in a lack of pressure, but do you know it will really result in a lack of pressure? Rearing up and ripping the lead rope out of my hands, spinning and taking off, me not being able to hold on. I am working with a 1,200 pound animal. If they really want to get away from the pressure, they are going to find ways to get away from the pressure. An extinction burst in terms of negative reinforcement is going to be 
trying to escape the aversive. Behavior that is negatively reinforced. Behavior that is maintained by negative reinforcement in the form of an extinction burst. So these maladaptive behaviors such as rearing up when loading or spinning and taking off while loading. The extinction burst for those are going to be so high and not only is it going to be hard to manage, it's going to be downright dangerous. I am not going to get myself in a metal box and then have a horse rear up at me on the ramp. There is serious potential for injury, not only for me, but also for the horse. So let's work through the same example and say that we're trying to do it with positive reinforcement. We just read the abstract from the article on positive reinforcement and teaching a horse to trailer load. If a horse is having behaviors maintained by positive reinforcement, it is easier for you to maintain the contingencies because you can control access to the positive reinforcement. That being said, that is not, of course, foolproof. If you have a horse who does spin and takes off while you're trying to trailer load and they get across the yard and eat some grass, yeah, you could argue that that's positive reinforcement. But if you're working with a very highly motivating reinforcer, such as grain or treats or their favorite food, it's going to be easier for you to control that because I'm sure that it is not readily available across the yard. Extinction bursts for behaviors that are maintained by positive reinforcement are generally ideal behaviors that we want to see. And the article, in fact, said that inappropriate or in this case, maladaptive behaviors fell to zero or near zero rates when positive reinforcement was introduced. So when you're working on teaching a new behavior and you are using extinction bursts for a positively reinforced behavior, there's actually a term for that and it is called shaping. Shaping is reinforcing successive approximations of a terminal behavior. In this case, trailer loading and the successive approximations as we discussed being steps further and further into the trailer. The last thing that we'll go over today, just as a reminder, is that ABA is individualized. You cannot just take one blanket and throw it over every horse you work with. Each horse is going to be different. Each horse is going to have different preferences. But from the research that I have found and that we've reviewed today, I would argue that most horses seem to prefer positive reinforcement. It does not include the use of aversives. It tends to yield more success and higher success rates in faster times. One of the crucial points here too is that It is near impossible to not use negative reinforcement with your horse. Any pressure that you put on your horse and your horse engages in any behavior and you release the pressure, that's negative reinforcement. Asking your horse to move forward by a little tug on the halter and your horse steps forward, negative reinforcement when you release the pressure. Asking your horse to pick up their foot and they pick it up and you clean it and then you put it back down, putting it back down is negative reinforcement. Asking your horse to trot under saddle by squeezing with your legs a little bit is negative reinforcement when they trot and you remove the pressure from your legs. Even people who use vocal cues, if you're placing any kind of demand on your horse and they engage in a specific behavior and you remove the demand because of it, even if it is vocal, that is negative reinforcement. Negative reinforcement does not always have to be bad. It is a theory that is used You just have to be careful in how you use it. It is going to be near impossible to be completely rid of it. And that is okay. This having been said, 
you should know that positive and negative reinforcement are not mutually exclusive. I can ask my horse to come forward by giving a little tug on the lead rope, and then when they do, I can give them a treat. That is both positive and negative reinforcement. I release the pressure when they move forward, and I give them something that they enjoy. The horse is more likely to do that behavior in the future for positive and negative reinforcement. And that is what I would almost always suggest to people, is to use a combination of both if possible. If you can use just positive reinforcement, that is great, and I would say that you should go for it. In most cases, you just won't be able to, and that is okay. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Shadowed Behavior Podcast. If you have a topic that you would like to submit or a question that you would like answered or discussed, feel free to submit it to us over our Facebook, over email, or on our website. In the meantime, if you are looking for virtual sessions, we are currently accepting new clients over the internet. We will host sessions via Zoom and we will analyze videos that you send us. Again, as a reminder, we have free services for nonprofits. We offer one free functional behavior assessment for nonprofits, including therapeutic programs and rescues. Send us proof of your nonprofit status and we will be happy to help you out. In the meantime, if you need to get in touch for any reason, feel free to reach out to us over any of our social media accounts or on our website at www.shadowedbehavior.com or you can send us an email at shadowedbehavior at gmail.com. Catch you guys in the next episode. <laughs>